boys, 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 Formula One, where do we go to this weekend? All the expectation of a new track, all the expectation of the Miami vibe, the Miami experience. Um, and it seemed like a bit of a dead fish. So good evening, guys. Welcome to episode 34 of the Racing Line podcast. Joe, Harry, thanks for jumping on to discuss um, an you know, very interesting topic, to be honest with you, with, with the, the latest race this morning that probably was underwhelming, to say the least. Um, so if anyone hasn't watched the Miami Grand Prix yet, um, like I keep saying every week, jump on to KO or Fox. We should get sponsored by KO and Fox because I always tell people to go and watch the KO minis, but jump on. One. Click the link. Yeah, something like that. <laughs> um, jump on, watch the KO or Fox minis, um, and then come back and listen to the podcast. But boys, where to begin tonight? What a shit show. Should um, we talk about the build-up? Yeah. I don't want to be too critical of the build-up because I... I don't I'm trying to sell the idea. Yeah, I don't want to smash them for trying to hype up the race. Like I feel like the intention was was pure but the execution was if the intention was pure the intent the um, execution was was very poor mate as there soon was, as i saw cringes as soon as i saw lando and daniel walking through freaking miami <laughs> with crop tops on with bloody cubic zirconias or whatever the hell it was on there i was like nah this is going to be like if you're going to do that i understand the whole marketing behind being in america they're trying to push it blah 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 i can perform on the track mm. No, he's like, he's put on a he's, good spectacle. Here's yeah. what I think they missed dearly. If you're going to Miami, right? Miami is in Florida. Florida is pretty much can probably considered the racing hub of motorsport in America, other than NASCAR. I would say, like the, all the pretty much all the big races are there. You have your um, Grand Prix of Saint Pete. You have your Daytona. Daytona. 1000 sorry daytona 500 you got the daytona 24 hour you got your sebring 12 hour you know these are massive races in the same state so you're dealing with people who know motorsport in different forms right and i'm thinking okay we're, so we're putting on a spectacle for people in this area and it seems like we're catering for people flying in from la flying in from new york flying in from Los like we only saw celebrities they made it. The tr- I don't. I don't want to be critical of the tracks. I don't really. I didn't s- see it or feel enough of it to really make a judgment on that. But the, I. I just thought that they just went way too far with like the Americanization of it, and like you can count like NFL helmets, Pirelli helmets. I don't have mean, an issue with those kind of things. I do. Honestly. I have an issue with that. I think like we. You're trying to sell Miami. Miami's more than the Dolphins. Like, be a bit more creative than that. Like, okay, you're in Hard Rock Stadium, but the Dolphins aren't even a, a successful franchise anymore. Like, what, like, who are you trying to fool? Mm. Like, even I just think- where where was IndyCar? Why don't you make a partnership with IndyCar? Get IndyCars as on the same weekend. Like, these no, are- like I, I listen, like listen, Formula One is not going to do that. I understand that there's a whole marketing. I understand the marketing. Um, side of why they did it. I just think that the execution was a little bit cringy and particularly when Formula One is kind of this industry that like traditionally, and you know, this might actually be a good thing because F1 traditionally doesn't bend for anybody and it's got some fairly, you know, stringent traditions in the way that it operates. The fact that it was 
at least different in that regard to try to cater to the to the clientele I don't think I had an issue with I just think that it was poorly executed whether it was the imagery whether it was um like Harry was saying just the novelty of some of the I even had that Thursday night drivers mm-hmm. introduction on this on stage with the with the um, team managers and they even that like yeah it's an event but I don't think it particularly looked that appealing um you'd have to ask people from Miami if they actually thought the same as well but I don't know I just think that there was really poor execution and then the fact is that if you're going to have something like that then the racing better be good and um the track didn't do a whole lot at all it's and I we you know we talk about it every every time we get to one of these new um kind of temporarily erected circuits that's got 40 percent of it is a you know a swooping curve where no overtaking can occur um yeah, it was just underwhelming. I mean, the most. I mean, I watched it this morning. I, I missed the first twenty laps, um, and from what I watched, from lap twenty all the way to lap fifty-seven, the only, the only thing that compelled me at all was Lando Norris um, hitting Pierre Gasly. Apart from that, and maybe a little bit when the safety car came out and Leclerc was behind Verstappen for a little bit, and that was close for a couple of laps. But really, apart from that. Um, there was nothing. There was nothing. It might have. You might as well be racing up Monaco. At least Monaco looks engaging because it's so close to the walls. If that makes sense. And the yeah. marina is real. Um, <laughs> and yeah. I, I guess yeah, real, my, real water. My issue with this weekend is I get we're going. As I said, we're going to America, and they're trying to increase the engagement over there. You I would think they never went like, to America before, though. The race was. Like it seemed like everything else was the priority for every team except mm. for the race. Yeah. And that's what's frustrating because the race was was crap and that could have something to do with the track. Because Probably it is it, it's it's sectors are similar to Saudi is it Saudi? Jeddah? Yeah, yeah. It's a very Jeddah and then, track. And then the back end of sector two is kind of like that's that section in um I think it's Abu Dhabi. Mm, or Singapore, true. you know that you know that Singapore section that they go under the bridge. When I was mm. when I was watching it, there were some parts I thought I thought I thought wow, this is very Formula E esque. And mm. then I re- I just read this afternoon some of the drivers actually talking about it, feeling very Formula E. Um, it drivers been, didn't like it, it at all. It, it, it could have it. There was definitely that back corner where they the ga- I don't know what corner it was what the number, but it was like the Gain Bridge sponsorship when yeah. it when it funneled into a very narrow straight and that definitely did have mm. formula e vibes but you know the th- you watch these new circuits and it doesn't matter because when the sponsorship is the same on the like the rolex and the aramico and stuff like that all these tracks whether it's miami whether it's saudi arabia they, whether it's russia from the cameras they all look the same mm. you know I mean there's there's no like they're all constructed in the same way and i think we're getting to the point where all the bad like there's no sense of character with these tracks no, anymore. No, because even see Imola, a straight, you come up, you come onto a, you come onto a straight, you see the DRS detection like wings flap up. You follow them down a straight. They go into some form of swoop or, and then come, follow it into a hairpin. Follow it through some swoopy corners and then another tight corner. And then you hit another straight. Like the the formula is is rinse and repeat. Like there's now pretty much two, like one straight and one longer but weirder straight on the track 
Mm. Um, and then followed by corners that you can't pass in. Like we, we used to have street circuits where you could pass they're all maybe degree five, five or six corners a, a lap. Now you can maybe pass at two. And they suck. They're just saying, oh, we're just going to, you've got, we'll give you more DRS zones instead of like, you know, trying to just make a good pass, like a lunge at full send into a corner. You know, what but, the, uh, sorry, H, keep going. Sorry. We've seen it recently. When was the first um, Baku? 2016, 2017? I love that track. I think that track's Baku's awesome. Right. Yeah. Right. Uh, for a street track. Baku's street got a lot some... of like right hand, like right, um, 90 degree that, corners. Three left hand, like three um, yeah. left handers at the back that are all 90 degrees. And they've got quite a bit of runoff as well. So you can actually take a lunge. 100%. But now there's but... no runoff. And they, they put it in a scoops. car park. Like, what do they this expect? Is, this is the point I was going to make. Um, when I was thinking about it today, boys, we've got all these, like we spoke last week that Formula One is trying to take its races to the people, to the fans, but we're getting these circuits now that are literally crammed into environments that aren't really conducive to good racing. The tracks aren't good, whether it's in Sochi around the Olympic Park or, you know, the last two tracks in Saudi Arabia and, and Miami now. Um, yes, they want to they want to race around like the, the stadium because obviously it's easy to get people in there it's got some kind of iconography even though you know the dolphins haven't been relevant since dan marino's time um but are we are we is formula one kind of ruining its product purely to get to the fans because i mean we look at there's tracks in america that could very easily hold an f1 event they might be a little bit less they might have a little bit less grand, grand, yeah, glamour and grand, grand. Lacuna Saker? Uh, yeah, Lacuna Saker potentially could be, you know, it, it, probably, it very well could actually, not potentially, it could. Um, Joseph said, I mean, Sebring. Sebring could be, couldn't hold F1, it's a bit too bumpy, but like I was thinking about today when I was watching the race. What about Long Beach? I was Beach? thinking Laguna Seca. Now, Long Beach is another Miami, it's trash. But like Laguna Long Beach, if, if, if you put Long Beach next to Miami, though, Long Beach uh, would look yeah, like a bloody Long, paradise. Long Beach is paradise because it's wide and it has lots of right hack. You know what? Having said that, it is better it, than Miami. It would be a great I'll place to have overtaking, but anyway, with the exception I'm, I'm, of the thinking, last complex. I was thinking, I'm sick of this 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 narrative now that's getting pushed says that F1 needs to be taken to the fans. F1 mm. hasn't needed to be taken anywhere to, except to all these circuits for the last 50 years and they've always sold out. So, like, this whole argument of we're going to take it to the fans, mm. I think, is bullshit. Um, like, you look at okay, – you can have three races in Miami. You want to put one on the Eastern Seaboard, put one at Watkins Glen. Like, mm. that's a that's an amazing track. It's a beautiful track. It's a massive track. It's wide. It's got everything you need. It's historic for Formula it's, 1, too. It's got undulation. It's got tight corners. It's got nice, you know, right hand. Like, it's a beautiful track, you know, and it would probably can, it would probably suit these F1 cars really well. I've never watched a, a bad IndyCar race GT race anything at Watkins Glen. It's such a good track, and then you want to. You know what? Also, on... also because it's got it's like we keep coming back to it. The good tracks these days don't need to have these bloody corners that look like they've been designed by you know, a three-year-old that's doodling. No, I they think, Imola, I think Imola has really woken people up to the fact uh. that you can go to these these tracks. Watkins Glen has hosted Grand Prix before. Uh. You know, I mean. It's in New York. Yeah, it's upstate New York. It's probably an hour drive from New York City. But I mean, when you when you look at what Amer like the tracks America has on offer, you got you want one in. You've got a great track in Texas, albeit probably not the best in terms of watching on TV. You've got Laguna Seca that's getting resurfaced this year. 
another historic track. You don't need to keep taking it to these city circuits. You, you've actually got the tracks there. That's what I don't. That's what boggles my mind. You've but got this is going to be the question. You've got infrastructure. It, it genuinely worries me because next year we're going to have this piece of crap again, and then we're going to Vegas for another street Dude, circuit. Ten years of Miami. This is the question, though, boys. Right? Because I understand your point of view, and the reality is that a lot of our traditional tracks, they are a little not. They're not where the people are. Traditionally, you have to kind of make some kind of pilgrimage to get there. Mm. For Formula One, though, by taking the racing to the fans, even if the product isn't good, they are still making their money. It is still an event, right? And people are still going to watch these races. Yeah, so but how long till the novelty their... wears off? That's what I'm saying. I, yeah, I got like, it. Like, yeah, it's more I get than that. just the money. Yeah. Like, they'll make I the money that. where they take you it. You get that. Yeah, we get that. But the fact is, from their point of view, why would they change it? Because let's say, for example, they sign a deal with Miami for three years. Then after three years, they've made their money. They might move somewhere else. You know what I mean? The question I think Formula One really has to start thinking about is they're going to make their money no matter where they go. Like they're a money-making machine. They've got money from TV. They've got money from wherever they race. They're going to to make it. They're getting fans from... Um, drive to survive they've signed them for another two years you know and I, I understand that's why they're taking this whole american thing so seriously because they've seen the rise of the popularity of their show especially in america but uh, the thing I'm, I'm i'm honestly this week especially like after these sort of consecutive couple um street circuit kind of events it has got me thinking if we're gonna have 30 races and we're gonna take these tracks to any city that wants it and we're just going to build some makeshift circuit have a procession you know market the shit out of it make them wear um traditional hats on the podium have people who don't even really talk about the sport ever doing um post-race interviews get rid of the people who actually you know do the uh who we've become accustomed to talking about the the product every week after the race because we want to put some novelty in it. This, this is going, it's going to die very quickly. I've got to say, mm. like it's like everything about after the race today was cringe. They got some race I'd never heard of before doing the after uh, pre-race in uh, post-race interviews, and it was you could tell he was talking through an earpiece because he was talking so slowly. It was the most cringy thing I've ever heard in my life. And I don't blame him. I blame the people who make these decisions and then they have some police escort through the streets to get to the podium um like you said they had isn't the, they, uh, they americanize it like that's that's it's an yeah, we, yeah it's, you can debate i understand what you mean you can debate whether it's relevant I'm not, saying, or not. I'm not saying don't you know somewhat americanize it but they americanized it till it was not even american it was like the most cringy yeah. sort of slapstick version that it everything. could be we, we go to coda every year and we've never had this discussion before never coda is amazing they have the novelty stuff off off track but it's not like the this. nice they have the nice pirelli um what are they cowboy called? hats cowboy hats yeah even, like it's yeah. it's nothing crazy yeah. but like i was saying this is not the first time we've raced in america yeah we've been mm-hmm. racing there for for years this just felt like not formula one yeah, I agree. You know, the other thing was, and I said this to Harry offline, and I, I don't know if you'll concur, Joe, but I mean, last night, it's really weird. Like, we didn't have any F1 to watch, but I was watching 
the um, Nürburgring 24 hours qualifying race in the Silverstone 500, the British GT. And I told, said to Harry, I said, um, I kind of got more enjoyment watching those than this new F1 race that's been hyped up for, you know, the last three years. And that's, that's a little bit disappointing considering how long we've been waiting for it. But what I wanted to um, also make mention of as well was what were the drivers doing this weekend? What was Lewis Hamilton doing with the protest against the jewelry ban and Seb Vettel doing I was with the get, underwear ban? I was going to get the into heck, this. What saying. the heck are these guys doing? They are not performing on track as it is. And maybe that's their way of, I don't know, creating some kind of relevance. But I'm... He's, he's left me problem. speechless. It's he's left me speechless. With, Which one? Not. Both, both of them. Here's he's my problem with both of them. If you think about it for about 10 seconds, both of them are actually safety precautions. You know what I mean? And it's not like they're saying, they're, they're literally saying you can't wear jewelry and you have to wear the fireproof underwear. And this has all come into effect since the Roman Grosjean on fire thing, right? Mm. He was wearing fireproof gloves and his hands still got burnt. His, his suit mm. is fireproof and he still got mm. burnt. All right, so you're wearing a ring and you're in it's a gonna fire, get it's, it's going to cause more damage. All right, it's like it's the dumbest shit I've ever. No, I, I, cannot, I cannot believe it's going to get hot. I cannot, I cannot believe that this is even an argument. Mm. Like, no, they're, it's, they're it's, a, it's, it's, it's in, every, in every sport except probably tennis, you can't wear jewelry. Mm. And guess what? I've never heard a, a player, maybe even NFL, you can wear some stuff in NFL, but other than that, like, it's 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 the like fact, a pre it's a prerequisite, and then but, the fireproof mm, underwear thing. Mm, I'm like, are, you, are, are we are we kidding? Are we kidding right now? We're going to walk through the like this weekend is already a joke enough, mm. and you've got two, what is it? Eleven championships between two drivers, mm. and one of them's wearing three watches, three chains, ten rings. You know, put a nipple piercing in there while you're at it. Maybe put an eyebrow piercing just to keep going, and the other one's walking around. A in, his ring, race, in his race suit and then underwear. You know what's annoying me? Sorry, keep going, H. Yeah. I was just going to say, we've come through the era of Bernie where everything was locked down. They weren't allowed to do anything. Mm. Now, Formula One is super liberal and lets them do whatever the yeah, freaking hell they want. And then they come yeah. out and they complain about this but crap. Like, that's the, that's the annoying that, thing about it. From because, one side to the other. Yeah. But the thing that's most frustrating, I think, is the fact that, I mean, Formula One is bigger than any one racer. And that's, should be the reality of it. But then you've got someone like Hamilton who on is purposely um, uh, going against the rules, these newly imposed rules. And there are grounds for these rules. Like it's not like they're saying it because of, because of no reason. Like someone nearly died last year in a fireball or two years ago, sorry. Someone nearly died two years ago in a fireball. And the findings of that particular study said, you know, let's get rid of these things. So there's grounds for the, the rules to come in place and then rather than clamping down um, once they've made the rule they say we're going to give you a two game a two um a two race leeway period so that you can acclimatize to the new rules it's ridiculous it's the rules for everybody they've been put in place i don't care if you're a seven-time world champion or a four-time world champion or whatever you are if you're racing in formula one and you're getting paid millions of dollars to do so if you're reaping the rewards of this industry, then you better follow the rules of the industry as well. I think Just it's put the fireproof underwear on. Like, what's the big deal? 
No one can see it. It's not even anyway. that as well. Like if you think about it, because well, I, I have been thinking about it a lot, you have... <laughs> Men in their undies. Mm. It's, it's, not, it's not even the fact that it's undies or it's the fact that it's a jewelry. It's the fact that you take it. Like why is it that it's not a personal attack? You know what I mean? Like they're taking it like it's a personal attack. And then they say, will you race if they don't let you wear your jewelry? And Lewis says, I'm not going to race. We've got a reserve driver. He can do the job. And I'm thinking, like, if this is how much, like, this is what you want, this is what we're going to take to the to the to the press, to the public statements like this. Like, are you really in it for like Formula One has given you this yeah, the platform? Question, yeah. And now that you've sort of ascended to the top of that platform form, it doesn't give you a right then to sort of um, take advantage of it. You know what I mean? The question is, would he be doing it if he was in a championship fight? And it's probably no. He wouldn't be doing it if he was he'd just come into the sport either. That's that's the long and short of it. It's just like Lewis seen, throwing his weight around. That's we've all seen it is. So, like he, here's my problem as well. We've seen so many perfect like proper professionals come through the sport. Guys like Hakkinen. Then you had Schumacher for all these years. Alonso, you know what I mean? Like these guys, and then even Vettel until he he left Ferrari really because Ferrari wouldn't stand for this. Um, like we've seen these like this real professional attitude, which probably was a little bit too far one way, but then the answer isn't to t- swing totally to the other side. Like F1 drivers are never going to sort of have, I, th- I don't know if it's, they're trying to be like NBA players or something like that, but, but motorsport is not like that. Like mm. the only way to go motorsport racing is for big corporations to put in big money, mm. right? Like it's not about your talent with the ball or how hard you can hit a ball, how good you can kick. It's not about your actual talents. It is, but a lot of more of it is about the money behind it for the team. Like any any one of those 20 drivers can do your job if they get into the same team, give or take, right? So It'll take the Canadians. Yeah, so don't like sort of, don't shun the institution now that yeah. there's, a, this, there's this freedom because- it, Don't the bite fir- the end that's feeding you. Like, because I'll tell you this, like if, if it keeps getting like, if this becomes a pattern, there are going to be companies who are going to drop off because that the corporate the corporate side of it is not going to be the machine that it once was. Mm. Well, I think we probably um, choose Sorry the for my rant. That's right. I think we've chewed the fat on 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 that for long enough. What did just, you guys make quickly? Of yeah, yeah. It was that bad this weekend. The highlight of my weekend was Martin Brundle's track walk. <laughs> so what did when you make of the race? Him he trying to interview basketball one of player. Was, he thought some college basketball player was Patty Mahomes. And he's going pat pat, and then the guy turns around and he realizes it wasn't Patty Mahomes. I was like, "Oh, this is that was worse yeah. than who was oh. the other chick he walked up to and she didn't want to speak to him last mm. time." Oh, so good, Serena. Oh no, it was um, Megan the Stallion, I think. Yeah, that's right. It was too. Look at you. I know. Um, I only remember it because because um, I was watching it live. And you want to want to do some honorable mentions for the race though before we shit all over F one for too long. I tell you, I don't. Th- I think there's only one honorable mention for me. Who? Um, Verstappen. Verstappen. Just to get the win. That's it. What about Ocon? Apart from that, mm, I'll be honest with you. That was might have been one of the most boring races I've ever watched. Dude, it was the it was the most boring race of this year, and probably the boring, most boring race of the last two years. And that's saying a lot. It's making yeah, me I'm... look forward to Barcelona, and that's always a boring race. Mm, true. But you know what? True. As well, though, I feel like the. the... The, the cringeness of the weekend beforehand could have jaded us to it as well. 
Like it was, mm. it was, it was a race that I felt I found myself watching it. And what was the weekend before? I forgot what cringe happened the weekend before. No, like the lead the, up, the lead up to the race. Oh yeah, yeah. Like all the, the. Like, do you know what I did love about the race week? I'll tell I you. I wish I wish F one teams would disengage with their fans every weekend, mm. not just when but, we go to Miami. Do you know what I loved? You know what I actually did love about this week? What? The the helmets. Yeah, they had some beautiful. They, we had they some, had some sick some helmets. Really Botas nice helmets. had a bunch of bangers. Daniel Dude, Ricciardo's every... bloody friend Japani helmet was better than his traditional, the one he's been racing with. That's like Ace Ventura it. helmet, mate. Yeah, I didn't like Leando's helmet, to be honest. I no, Leando's was, was too, trash. Too trash. But Who else I liked had a good Albon. one? Albon had a good nice one. helmet. Yep, Albon. Albon. There was a few bangers. There was a few bangers. I'll say that. But apart from that, not a real big, big weekend for Formula One. I'll I was actually reading a lot of comments on Facebook today because I wanted to get a vibe of how of how fan perception was this weekend as well, other than my own sort of, I feel like Anthony, I'm just so negative this, about the race this week. Um, I feel so old, but I was, I was reading through too many comments or wasted too much time reading through comments. And um, the, the fan reaction is very much similar to what we're, we're talking right now. Even like a lot of American fans are saying like, I've been a Formula One fan for 10 years, 20 years, 30 years. And they say, this is not, like mm-hmm. what American Formula One sort of should be. Like they said, like we've been, I've been to races in Texas. I've been to the race at Indianapolis many like years ago. And it, it, they said, this feels like a mockery of even like, like it seems so far a mockery of like what America really is. Um, and and they were saying like a lot of it seems to be um, playing to the, um, celebrity visitors who sort of have come to the race and and, and the vibe was Super Bowl F1 race pretty much like that's, that's right. what the, that's what it felt that like. was that was what they were aiming for but they I, got it they got the fan they did, but like fan the, dif- the difference is is that the Super Bowl is a payoff of like seven months of absolute torture for two teams and it's a celebration because for seven for, for seven months 50 people are going ham like this was like a weak builder yeah, i was I like it. what this, this is not the end of the season we're like fucking six races into a 23 races like what are we Plus, doing in the, super bowl, in the super bowl you probably get I'm 500 so you probably get a total of 500 yards of passing and we got no passing this weekend Literally. <laughs> oh that's a nice little sound bite <laughs> yeah that one um yeah anyway i'm dis- um, i'm really disappointed well do we talk about something perhaps a little bit more um Optimistic. Okay, he does that. Go ahead. Well, what about the future of Walkinshaw and Dreddy United? Oh, I feel optimism is a, is a um. What's the word I'm looking for? Is an opinion depending on how you look at the team. Really, I mean, I'm. Well, I'm, I'm just thinking. I'm just thinking about it from the perspective of the team trying to get factory support for the last ever since they lost the HRT name. No, you're not. So, you're thinking no. they're coming to the Blue Oval and you love no, it. No, no. I'll no, tell you, no, I don't I'll t- because I'm, I'm a tick for the guy. So they're I'll not going to. I'll, I'll tell you this. If they're giving me more competition, it's not helping me. Personally. This is for me. This is as a Walkinshaw fan who has been a Holden fan for twenty four years and has been invested in being a Holden fan for probably eighteen years. Mm. This one hurt quite a bit. Not because I didn't expect it to come and not because I can't see the merits of it, but 
the more I think about it, it for me, it's, it really is, it's cemented like the end of an era in V8 supercars. But, you know, I'll say this, I Joe, you also took it very well because I feel like the writing yeah, was on the wall in some regard. It is on the wall, and I know that they've been looking for another partnership and mm. sort of supercars as we know it is definitely changing. Mm. And I think even the sport, like the, the way people look at sports as we know it is changing. But as I've said this many times, I do believe if you were to count the amount of fans that walk and draw gained as a Holden racing team, they would yep. be the biggest supported fan base in the country because mm. there's only two teams to barrack for for many years and yeah. most of them barracked for Holden. And Walkinshaw was the face does, of Holden. Does the fact that does the fact that Holden ends this year as we know it make it an easier transition for Walkinshaw? Because even though Chevy is GM and they're kind of trying to sell it that it's still the blue oval against no, it's, GM it's, rivalry, it's definitely a different rivalry. I wouldn't say yeah, dead. It's just diff- it's going to be right. different. So it's, it makes it. I feel like it makes it easier. The fact that Holden leaves this year for them to to make that transition across. One thing can, I think. Can I? Yeah, sorry. Yeah, go ahead. No, you go I was, ahead quickly. I was, I was just going to say, like, I think it is dead, mate. Because as a, I'm same as Joey. My whole life, my dad had Holden's, blah blah blah. You know, Holden fan. I don't have that same attachment to Chevy or GM. It was yeah. Holden. So yeah. I, you know, thing, even though Camaro is Chevy, I don't care. One thing I believe that Supercars has done very well, and I don't know if this is Supercars himself or the teams. But team engagement has gotten so much mm. better recently mm. that I feel like the fans of the sport have sort of transitioned from Holden, Holden versus Fords the teams. And, become, and become a lot more invested in like teams like Erebus, teams yep, like Team 18. So now Supercars has a, a fan base that follows teams or drivers like Chaz. Mm. And because of that, mm. but the, it's also- tra- the transition has been, I think, easier for a lot of people. I would love to see how many fans are going to... Uh, gonna leave this leave supporting mm-hmm. the team though because this is this is honestly massive like yeah, i was insane. talking to my dad yeah. about it this week and i said and he and he, like people like his family who follow the team they're gone like there's no chance yeah at but all joe, that they're, but, they're fans of the team but they're, but joe, they're the people who don't really watch us but joe but 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 walkinshaw andretti united like it hasn't been hrt for the better part of five years now yeah but it still has so it has but it ha- but it really hasn't and they haven't been really performing at that level at all. Yeah, but, so I but don't you, know, you I, figured they weren't performing for five years before and they still had that. the biggest fan base. Yeah, I get that. But then I feel like the fact that HRT has been Red Bull for the last five years and then walk and they having to... Since, they've been holding racing teams since they left. What's it called, right? They have. Since they left. Yeah, they have, but they haven't. But the fact that they have, there was that already that disassociation from Holden to HRT... And then um, it going from Walkinshaw Racing to Walkinshaw Indretti, and now we call it WAU. Like it's been a slow progression away from that heritage and tradition. And I think the point that you make about the sport becoming more of a team sport as opposed to a tribal Ford versus Holden sport has been the case, you know, really for the last. If you think about it, when HRT went, we also lost Ford Performance Racing. It became Tickford. Um, became pro drive before it came Tickford. Um, and we're getting to the point now where you've got this whole group of younger fans who traditionally don't follow teams. They follow whether it's LeBron James or whether it's, they follow players or drivers. Um, so I, I don't necessarily think it's going to be the end of the sport, but it definitely will be, it's going to be a new sport. It's going to be a different sport. 
And I think what supercars have to do now is just make sure that when these Gen 3 cars do come out, that the racing's really good. Realistically, um, yeah, I think I think we have we have an attachment to the Holden versus Ford thing. We've we've grown up with it, but I think moving forward, I think if if they are, you know, putting a lot of stock behind the teams, you know, you look at Formula One. I love McLaren. Ant, you're McLaren. Joey, you're Williams. We actually have that attachment to the teams, and I think that can only increase the fan base of the sport. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. And like, I've it is been... more sustainable for people to follow teams than it is for them to follow brands because brands come and go, That's but right. teams like have a have a sort of like a, a longer and 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 you can build more of a relationship when you see the face of mm. the team as just like a, a person, not like a, a a person who seems attainable and down to earth, mm. whereas like the corporates seem very far away. Mm. I think as well though, like now speaking as a as a fan of the team not talking about sort of the history of the team like there are there are very clear things i see as positives for this move like you you have probably the second best give or take weekends at bad tracks you have a very much a team on the rise that has made a statement of intent saying we want to be in different machinery to the best team in the group because the only way we can beat them is if we are in a in a factory drive. Like this is this is massive for more than just war control. This is massive for Ford Racing because a they've got more cars on the grid that are all factory back. So you got four factory back teams now. You got Grove, um, Tickford, um, Johnson Racing, and War Control. There there are three massive teams in the sport all in Ford Racing. That's number one. Number two. War Control are making a statement saying we want to be able to compete head-to-head with Triple Eight, and we can only do that with factory machinery that they don't have, which is a, a big statement. Also makes sense with um, getting that backing with Andretti involved because of his history with Ford, um, which is uh, more substantial than War Control's history of Ford, I suppose. Uh, but like oh, for can, the, can I, yeah. Sorry. For the sport, I feel like having... Sorry, before you move on from that, because you just made the point about how when you do look at the Ford teams now, like Grove's still up and coming, but there's three teams Grove, I think, will continue their relationship with Wall Control even closer now. I I agree. But also, like, Grove are doing a really good job this year. They've they've come out of of relative obscurity to, to really be putting on good show. But you've got three amazing teams there. And there was a... um. There was an article this week talking where the head of Ford was saying that they've been looking to get um, quality in to the stable as opposed to quantity. So they still have less Fords on the grid. But if you look at the teams that are in the Fords now and the teams that are in the Holdens, with the exception of HRT, uh, sorry, um, Red Bull Racing, um, you would have to say that the Ford teams do carry the stronger teams with the exception of the best. You mean more stronger teams? Yeah, well, yeah. think about well, who's going to be in the holding out? You're going to have, you're going to have well, the Erebus Batstone Racing. The oh, you got best. Erebus, I guess you've got Erebus, and you'll have um, Brad Jones Racing. But realistically, the the, the teams on on the, the three teams on the Ford side would, would supersede those in the pecking order, um, which is going to be an interesting dynamic. Yeah. Does does this move slow down Walkinshaw's ascension to the top? No, no. I, 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 I feel think... like next year is such a reset for everything. Mm. 
And that, the fact that there's so much less engineering involved and there's so much more specness about the sport, I think that realistically what you're going to see next year are the top drivers um, all having more chances to win races and to be up there. And I think you'll see the likes of um, Chaz, uh, Chaz Mostert up there, you know, Waters up there, SVG will be up there for sure. But I think what we will see now is kind of what we've been asking for in Formula 1 as well, giving all the best drivers a chance to compete. And I think it's going to be now on a level that we haven't seen in supercars for a long time. What's um, wild because... to think about is that those three big teams actually, yeah, the three oh, we, team... didn't talk about, we didn't take Anton from from DJR2. Yeah, but what I'm saying is like you have um, Ludo, <laughs> you have Ludo at Dick Johnson Racing, you have McPherson in Walkinshaw, you have Couchy at Grove, all from the Triple Eight stable, now mm. all running pretty much like sort of Ford teams at the top of Ford uh, of Ford racing teams. Like that's got to be massive for like the way that it can influence these, you know, new Ford racing. And the other thing that is massive is it's awesome to have Ford backing, like mm. real Ford backing back in the category because mm. that makes the category stronger strong teams good backing coming straight from detroit and this is coming from a holden fan like for the for actually the strength of the sport it's massive because mm. this is a no. bigger this is a bigger statement of intent than general motors have made for sure 100 100 it's 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 it's, it's going to be it's, it's a big wake up not wake up it's a big shift um in the sport it's definitely going to ruffle a few feathers but like I said before, what is going to determine whether people come uh, come into the sport or leave the sport is going to be the racing that they put on track. So I think having strong Ford teams and strong Holden teams will be the most important thing. And if the racing is as good as they expect it to be, you know, with the reduced um, downforce and, and aero that's, that's with these new cars and hopefully um, the spec nature of this series now allowing more teams and drivers to be in the mix. Because I think another thing that we did realize last week in, in Perth was that even though um, there is some diversity, it's still very much orientated towards Triple Eight and the engineering powerhouse that they are. So hopefully this kind of provides a little bit of spice to the category. Um, and that's what gets people to, to stay in there. Spice or Tabasco? I oh, can call it Tabas- Tabasco, whatever you want. I think it's, I think it's more of a Tabasco than Spice, really. Yeah, a bit of pop I mean, I'm, I'm just happy that now I can admit out in public, not just have it in the deep recesses of my mind that the Mustang is a, I feel a nicer supercar, like in terms of the look of it, but I could never admit it before. Um, I still won't. I know. Here's, here's an interesting question. You've jumped on the WAU train. Are you, are you off that train at the end of this year? <laughs> no, I've been thinking about it a fair bit. And I don't think so because, as I said, I don't have that attachment, attachment. to GM. Yeah, fair enough. Um, yeah, I'll, I've been thinking about it, and I think I, I really, I really like Chaz. Mm. Um, yeah, and Walkinshaw and Andretti are two two of the mm. biggest names. So I just think, I think you know, I'll just, continue along. Just, just to just to go back to that point you made about the whole shift to team support as opposed to factional support. Yeah. As like a Ford, and you know, this would be similar for a lot of fans. Like I'm a Ford fan, 
I hate it when Dick Johnson wins. Yeah. And I, yeah, I know what and, and Tom, my brother, is a Ford fan and he hates it when Tickford wins. Yeah. Uh, and we and hate it when I, fan, I hate when Triple yeah. Eight wins. And I hate when Triple Eight wins, and I hate when I actually hate when Triple Eight win. Triple Eight win, but I don't mind when Walkinshaw win because they've had a tough time. So I feel like for a lot of the fans that are invested in the current nature of the sport, that shift has already occurred, where there's a lot more kind of fan, a team-based fan fandom, as opposed to that factional shift that we had. 15 to 20 years ago. So it's going to be interesting to see how it shakes up. Um, but I think it's it's a good thing for the sport. It's a great thing for WAU. Um, the reality now is I think whether you're with GM or with Ford, anyone that's going to be in this category now is going to have a better chance at, at achieving more, provided that they're able to kind of get on top of the engineering and to have, have you know, have a, have a half decent um, setup. Um, like it should hopefully provide a bit more um, diversity in in what we see from our from the series. So it's awesome. I'm really I'm really happy to see it. To be honest, here's it's, it's, you know, what, what sort of come through my mind as well this week. For teams like Erebus, teams like um, uh, Premier Racing, mm. teams that are going to be running uh, Chevys. Mm. Fans from Walkinshaw who aren't making the jump because they can't do it, and I can understand that, um, will be looking for a new team to barrack for. And I feel like teams who are running that GM banner, because I know a lot of fans won't jump to Triple Eight because Triple Eight uh, was a Ford team who then became Holden's lot. There's still a lot of, I don't know if it's you'd call it bad blood. Um, Animosity, maybe like they're, they're, they're like the biggest team that has a big following, but it's not like it's 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 crazy how it's not the biggest. I feel like, um, these GM teams who can sort of put their um, was it ducks in a row and really mm-hmm. put out a good showing, release some nice cars, and um, sort of have some good results will benefit, will, will benefit and gain fans from that. So it's like mm-hmm. a really good opportunity for a smaller team to get a biggest um, market share of the fandom. That's definitely going to be out there looking for something new. You know what um, I found interesting during the week? Yeah. Um, I remembered back to when Lounsey, I don't know if the team moved mm. to Ford. I can't no, remember. He moved, what, moved, he to, moved Ford. to Ford and the Gibson uproar, yeah. the uproar from the Holden fans. And I don't know. I didn't hear much about this one so well, I, it's, it's, that kind it, of sold it for me i guess that the, the holden ford thing has do you got to think also triple eight at the you know triple eight were an established ford team that wasn't getting ford backing and they moved to holden and it was a huge deal and then very quickly it was a massive it, deal but then very quickly the sport moves on and the mm, same yeah. thing will happen by the time yeah. we have the roll around for the clips of 500 next year it's you know it might be a story for the first couple of races till they win a race, but realistically, once you know if pedal you, gets you, put to the floor, that's all that matters. How are you performing on Sundays? If mm-hmm. you think about it as well, getting it out there now is probably the best thing that the team could do because people yeah. have got seven months, eight months, nine months to acclimatize to this change. So when next season rolls around, or when the off season rolls around, there are other things that are that are happening that are more important, really. 
Well, they kind of have to because with the testing is going to start ramping up for all the teams now to get their first um, Gen 3 car. Um, yeah. So they kind of have to make that decision now. You know, it's not going to be able to, not going to be able to keep it secret. One thing that, that is long. also interesting, if you think about it, just to end this, is that what this also says is that there are not, like, there are going to be eight Ford Performance sort of back teams on the grid. Mm. But um, for for um, General Motors or mm. Chevy, it seems like that's not going to be the case because you would think if they were going to back that many cars, Walk and Chaw would have that GM racing backing. But you know what I was, you know, you know what I was just thinking about now too, right? So mm. obviously Triple Eight is going to be the flagship GM car, yeah. but Triple Eight do provide a lot of support to um, Team Eighteen to Matt Stone Racing now as well. So technically, theoretically. With with Triple Eight being the the face of GM in this category, they will still be getting for support from the de facto factory in Australia, which um, might they not be the be, same. But then that sort might of, not be the same. Sort of goes against what we're saying about Ford is that if all those teams are going to be. Mm-hmm. Well, the question um, is, how, into... how, yeah, the question also has to be how much is factory support going to mean now that we've got such a uh, a a comment. A spec series if that makes sense so oh, is it going series, yeah yeah is it going to is it going to mean the same thing i mean obviously you might have some backing you might have some uh engineering assistance to get on top of issues but realistically with the nature of this series now and you know l- losing that whole bespoke element for each team factory backing might not mean what it used to be because it's mm. everything's essentially plug and play and i guess that we'll have to, we'll have to wait and see what it means um for the sport moving forward but to the final kind of talking point that we need to address tonight was the news that dropped last week in MotoGP, which was out of out of nowhere. It's uh, taken the whole sport by by storm. surprise, yeah, by storm as well, because it's definitely shaking up the 2023 um, grid. Right, market grid. Suzuki have pulled the um, has Suzuki have pulled the pin on on MotoGP and we're supposed to have our MotoGP correspondent on tonight. He's um, pulled out um, because of uh, throat issues. Um, so we'll have to kick on without him. But what Joe, was that? Heart issues? <laughs> yeah, I'll tell you what, he's pretty devastated. He's, you know, as the guy that's the, the, the bastion of support for MotoGP, they're, they're potentially going to be losing a loyal fan because of this. Um, so Joe, when the news broke, I mean, what was your initial reaction? Bewilderment? As, uh, no, it wasn't because I, I, I follow more than one uh, discipline of motorcycle racing, I mm. suppose. When, when if there was one this, team that was going to, if there was is, one team that I you said would to myself, to do it. I said, yeah. I, the news broke and I said, it, was, it had to be them. And, yeah. Mark, and I was talking to Mike and Mike's like, can you believe it? And I said, you know what? I actually can. I said, if you, if you saw the way that, Suzuki were in every other discipline of motorcycle mm. racing. Yeah. They they vanish so quickly. Like they put every penny into MotoGP. And, and, and the funny thing, it's not even that. It's like they were at the top of the, like they, they were at the, the pinnacle in, in like motocross, right? MX. They, yeah. had, they had Ricky Carmichael. They had Ryan Dungey. They had Stewart. And then they're gone, right? So they were at the top and then they're gone. They had Dungey won on a KTM, but 
Anyway, yeah, but before that, he was winning on yeah, Suzuki's. Yeah. Yeah. And then they just disappeared. They've done it in super bikes. They've done it in every discipline. They just disappear. And they just float in and they float out. So when it was like Suzuki's going, I was like, if any team was going to leave when they were sort of at the top, it would be them. But do you think that might just be the way that the factory has, like that they have to operate from a financial point of view, they might just have enough money to invest in kind of one sport at a time. So, I mean, we, because we, yeah, but I don't buy that because if you look at a, a, a company like Aprilia, they would be, they would be hardly different from, they're even probably more bespoke than yeah, but Suzuki. Look at, but look at the, if, you, if that's the argument you're going to make, then you have to look that they both came into the sport roughly at the same time and how much more success has Suzuki had compared to Aprilia. Yeah, but then and, the and difference it, is and it's visible, at, But it's also at, visible to see how much... If you look much, at the brand, like as a brand, not talking about as, a, as in terms of... Let me finish my statement. Okay, finish your statement, then I'll, I'll clap back. I was going to say it's visible to see just how much they've how much finances they've pulled out. Like you can visibly see the superbike has not changed in the last 10 years. Um, That's exactly what I'm saying. I'm saying motocross Suzuki, bikes haven't changed in the last 10 years. Suzuki have come into the sport and have invested in the actual sport, mm. but riding the wave of that sport, winning a championship in that sport, mm. their road bike is 11 years old. Mm. Like if you think about it, if you were developing a road bike, six years ago and you won the championship and you launched a new flaming bike after you won the championship flaming do you know how big the fan base of suzuki is that's, that's the thing i don't understand suzuki have got this this fan base of old people like older people from like the schwanz era and stuff like that who love that team and then in dirt bikes it's the same but but joe maybe fa have failed to capitalize i, I understand on, that but maybe on, maybe Maybe they've got to the point where they have reestablished their name in racing through MotoGP, mm -hmm. and now and now part of their strategy is okay. We've reestablished our our credentials again in MotoGP. We need to kind of work on our road bikes. So maybe they're saying that money that we'll put in MotoGP now we'll put into a road bike. We'll put into a superbike race. Yeah, I understand that. But then maybe they move to superbikes so that they can capitalize and develop a bike for people to actually purchase. Because as good as do. the GS. As good as a GSX double R is, it's a prototype. So you would hope, you'd assume, or you'd hope to assume that now that they have reestablished themselves in the world of MotoGP, they can say, okay, let's develop a new bike and let's kind of get people purchasing it again because they haven't had anything for, for 10 years. What what does this do to MotoGP moving forward? Like what no, impact? I think it does, does it nothing, nothing really. It does nothing. The fact that, I think, I think Suzuki the fact that, is the least... Would, you would consider Suzuki the least invested of the manufacturers anyway. I mean, oh. they have had no intention of running four bikes. Like even look at like someone, Aprilia have had the intention of running more than two bikes. And here's the other thing that boggles my mind. You sell your bikes. So if, you've, if, if you make more than two, teams buy them from you. So you make money selling bikes to other teams. You also make money making new road bikes. And you also make money making new dirt bikes. People like buying new stuff. So I think Suzuki's problem is they just don't want to make money. They just keep shipping the same stuff over and over and over and over and over again. And it's, it's infuriating because they're like, oh, we just move slowly. It's like, no, you don't move slowly. So you, you miss waves, you miss trends. 
we had COVID, bike sales went up and you made nothing. I think this might be a slight oversimplification, but to it, is, your... it is, but it's, it is, but it's not because yeah. the writing has been on the wall for like 15 years. But, but if you're saying it doesn't have an impact, why was it a surprise to you guys? Because I know Michael no, was... it doesn't have an impact. It was a surprise not... because they, sorry, it was a surprise to me because they're doing so well. And I thought, why would you leave when you're kind of at the peak of your powers? But then in the same token, my whole thought process was if they want to capitalize on it, like everybody knows that Suzuki doesn't have the same resources as, you know, Honda, Honda for example. Or Yamaha. Don't have, or, yeah, yeah, Yamaha to, yeah, even Yamaha. But they don't have the same resources to have, to split their kind of financials and their engineering into all the different avenues of racing. They kind of have to focus on, on one at a time. Um, so my thought process was if that's the case, then maybe they're going to capitalize on this swing in fortune through road bikes, et cetera. But to answer your question about what it does for MotoGP, yes, it was surprising uh, in the sense that um, I didn't expect it because they were doing so well. And there's a chance that they could win a championship again this year. Um, but in relation to what happens to MotoGP, not a whole lot. I think the fact that Aprilia have, turn a corner this year and they're competitive um that will just fill that point because realistically if you think about where aprilia has been traditionally when suzuki have been good they've been at the back of the grid they haven't been doing a whole lot so they'll um shift straight back in and hopefully ktm kind of gets their act together this year as well the interesting thing that's already come out from MotoGP is that you know aprilia has been performing for six races and there's already talk about them um, having a satellite team next year with the um, Leopard Racing team. Oh, really? So, yeah, that's, that's, that's come out this week. So they, there are already conversations about how they're going to fill the grid, and it seems like there'll be a satellite Aprilia team next year. Well, they have is, a team in both other categories, don't they? Numero yeah, they and do. Numero two. Yeah. yeah, so so it kind of, it probably, it works really well because you're going to have no teams now that don't have a satellite team. And um, I don't think it's going to be that, different as well but the interesting thing is that honda have confirmed that paul espargaro will not be riding for them next year yeah and it seems like um johan me will be racing um as mark marquez's replacement so that's going to be fascinating to see what happens there um but yeah crazy news in the world of motor gp definitely is surprising um but also like Joe said, understandable considering of all the teams in MotoGP. Um, thing is, we've also, we've, we've seen it before. Like it's not it's not mm. uncommon for a team to leave one championship and transition. Like we've seen Aprilia go from nothing uh, from MotoGP, go into World Superbikes, do good in World Superbikes, and take a step up back into MotoGP. We saw mm. Kawasaki struggle in MotoGP, didn't want to invest in it, and they s- slip into World Superbikes. And then have dominated ever since. We see BMW only in World Super. So it's it's not it's it's not like it's it's new for te- for like smaller manufacturers to sort of dabble in one or the other. Mm. You know what I mean? I think the thing that's more surprising that we've had no news of them dabbling in anything. Mm. You know, like something will pick up. I, I, I think, do. I, I think it'll be. Come... I think it'll be um, motocross. Because yes, they, uh, that's, there's a bigger so, market for that at the moment. Yeah, I think it's going to be, it's going to, yeah, from a from a financial point of view, it makes sense because uh, the sport is on a boom. Sales are up, bike sales are up. Um, 
I think they'd have to capitalize on that. But then it also wouldn't surprise me to see him bring out a new um, series of sports bikes as well, well just Michael, to capitalize well, on Michael, that. Michael's saying that there's words that they're not going to even make sports bikes anymore, um, which is interesting. But then why release just a higher, higher Busa this year and like that's Vitara's. Yeah, he said they just want to make Suzuki Swifts. And I was like, that, there was a, that that has been part of a conversation for the last five years or so that Suzuki was transitioning in just purely into um, cars, cars, and I, obviously really? there was I never really put much credence into it. Um, but you know, with the whole landscape of cars now and F- SUVs and and the small compact car, I mean, they've obviously got two pretty popular, um, pretty popular products on the market. So who knows? It's definitely yeah, interesting though. Even as someone who's never really followed bikes, like you grow up knowing Suzuki's known for making bikes. Mm, why, why, why would they disregard all of that history just to make there's a shitty money, SUV? There's more money in cars. Yeah, but is there? Hmm? There's, a lot of more, there's a lot of money in a lot of places. You just got to hmm. transition to it properly, I suppose. Yeah. Well, I as, mean, as, 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 as I mean, we're talking about it like we're, financial slash economic experts but <laughs> i'm greek mate we're great at economics like the, the other the, here's the funny thing is well, like your country's broke <laughs> <laughs> like f1 had the same thing last year with honda that's that's the funny thing like honda mm, wanted mm, to leave the top, like which is which is sort of the same thing but it's not because they still sort of wanted to be involved and they and and, and honda's involvement in other in other motorsport is so big like in racing, like car racing, bike racing, every discipline of bike racing, nearly well, every po- discipline of cars, and they're massive, if, massively yeah. different size companies. If Honda was supposed to, if Honda was to leave MotoGP, that would be like dude. If Honda, Ducati, or moment. Yamaha was to leave MotoGP, mm. that would be um, landscape altering because you would think, what's happening? Mm. I mean, the other thing I was thinking is is. Is it because there are so many good teams in MotoGP now that the budgets are just getting yeah. to a point where Yama, where, yeah. where Suzuki saying we've got to tap out now because we know Can't that we, it's it. not sustainable? Yeah. Well, if you think about how much the bikes have even developed since they joined with the electronics, I mean, they tried to make electronics simpler, but when you look at all this anti-wheelie and launch device and, I mean, MotoGP, and it's probably a conversation for another night, but MotoGP is probably getting to the point now where they're going to have to implement some similar things to F1 with the cost cap, maybe even getting rid of some of the some of the technology that they're using um, mm. and kind of simplify, like get rid of maybe the um, active GPS systems and, and all that kind of stuff, even the fairings. I mean, obviously it makes for faster bikes and who doesn't want faster bikes, but is it getting to the point where if you're kind of preventing smaller teams from staying in or joining the series because of the budgets that, that the sport has. But now they just uh, buy bikes. They're seeing the small teams just yeah, buy good bikes. That's, a, that's like yeah, that's the new thing. It's not like you have just, to develop a bike. You just, mm. oh, I've got eight, nine million dollars to splash on a bike. I've got this much money yeah, but how much is it? Yeah, but how much is it costing Suzuki just to develop and stay in the arms race with the likes of Honda and GK? Yeah, I'm 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 not I understand that and I think Suzuki's been sold bought and sold now to a new company that's also happened as well but it's, if you think about it they didn't know this was happening at the start of the year because that bike took mm. cost a lot of money to develop 
and it's mm. a new bike. It's not like a it's it's well, very and a new. They've spent money on a new squat device yeah. and a new launch. It's, a new, it's, it's definitely a revolution, not an evolution. So there's been a lot of money invested in it. Mm. So I feel I would also be interested to see. That's one of your favorite phrases, you know. I love it because it it it, I would, it encapsulates say that in the, it encapsulates what the Suzuki's kind of an evolution. The Suzuki's an evolution. It's not a revolution. Look, well, we know advice and fairings. It's a revolution, bro. We know Japanese manufacturers have a, have a habit of pulling out of motorsport just as they're they about do. to win. So maybe Suzuki's up for it this year. Oh, mate, he knows. They're practical. That's why. Yeah, exactly. They're pragmatic. <laughs> they haven't got the um. It's not industrious little fellows. Yeah. <laughs> well, we, boys, um, this is only halfway through this week's worth of content that's coming out on the pod this week. So if anyone listening will have the um, Valmont Racing podcast coming out on the Thursday, on Thursday night, um, as a bit of a precursor for the Bathurst 12 hour. Hopefully, um, we'll also be going up to the Bathurst 12 hour and, and throbs. But we will be going up and we'll be throwing <laughs> up some content while we're there. It seems like it's going to be a slightly damp affair, um, and cold and wet. So maybe we've never, gone this, we've never gone this time of year before. Mm. Yeah, so be post, uh, you know, be aware of, of of what's coming out on the pod. H Joe, legends, thanks for jumping on. Thanks for so, sorry guys for having to listen to probably the, the most depressing pod that we've done. Just no, nah, I wouldn't say no, nah, not depressing. Not Real, depressing, but realistic. Like, yeah, there's nah, a sense I of like realism. It. There's a sense of realism about it, right? Like everything Is can't it? all be all be all be um, not all sugar coated. No, you can't. Exactly. It's not all it's not all barbecue. Sometimes can't all you've be. got to have a, a burnt brisket. <laughs> can't all be hashtag blessed, you know. <laughs> what agree. was that analogy? It's not all barbecue. Because <laughs> barbecue is amazing, but sometimes you just you get a why burnt dry brisket. Why don't you say it's not all sunshine and rainbows? Like no one's ever said that in the history of the world. <laughs> I think this guy just always has barbecue. Last week it was meat and potatoes. This week it's not all barbecues. Love it. Wait, how good is barbecue? Yeah, it's it's good, right? Sometimes delicious. you get a bit of dry burnt brisket, right? Still and good, but today was a bit of dry burnt brisket. Don't, so... don't try and save it. Just, huh? just quit. What, don't try you can't and save, save it. A dry put... burnt, you can't save a dry and burnt. You can't brisket. save what you just it said. Doesn't re, it doesn't rehydrate. That's the dumbest <laughs> thing I've heard this week. Probably this month. This was a bit, tonight was a beef jerky, boys. You know, you know what? I'm just, I think jerky. that's how we're going to sign off every race, every yeah. week. Pod now. It's not all barbecue. <laughs> <laughs> All right, boys. All right, guys. Yeah. Have a good one. Thanks, guys. See you later in the week for the Valmont episode. See you Cheers, guys. Cheers, boys. Bye-bye.